Yeah. He asked the boys, we have a new American group. And uh, I'm just wondering, does anyone have a name? We're looking for a name for our new American group. And it was in fact, John that came up with the circle with the funny spelling. And of course, you know how John thinks, what a mind he has. Only John could come up with something like that. <laughs> Something Will Happen, a podcast about the largest Beatles music festival in the U.S., Abbey Road on the River, celebrating our 20th anniversary, May 26th to 30th, 2022. I'm Melissa, one of the organizers of the festival, and I'll be talking about all things Abbey Road on the River, held every Memorial Day weekend in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Whether you're new to Abbey Road on the River or you're a festival regular, if you love the Beatles as much as we do, you're in the right place. This is Something Will Happen. Something Will Happen. Let's get started. I see that you guys are um, touring a little bit now. Is it kind of nice to be back on the road? You have a couple shows in May before you come to Abbey Road on the River. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool to be back on the road. I... um, when the group broke up, um, we basically broke up and it was sort of along the lines of bah humbug, we're done with this. Mm-hmm. And I was very lucky to have gotten into, um, I had a, a music production company and we basically did uh, audio and uh, jingle work for ad agencies. And I had a really nice career mm-hmm. doing that. And Red Rubber Ball was just left behind. I mean, you know, the circle was been there, done that, nothing never even would hardly even bring it up in my business even though you you would think it would have helped me get work but i you know just didn't basically that's all i was doing until current bandmate pat mclaughlin who was the leader of a band called the gas pump jockeys out of columbus ohio and whose one of their members was mike loskamp who was our second keyboard player Mike was with us uh, from like fall of 1966 till we broke up in, in 1968. And Pat thought, hey, you're a circle. Why can't we go out and perform as the circle? Um, and a friend of his who was a booking agent told him, why don't you get one of the other original guys and we'll, we can book you as the circle. And um, they had a, the gas pump jockeys were a very good band and they were really nice folks. And uh, he asked me, hey, would you like to do a circle revival? And uh, yeah, the bottom line is yes. And it worked out. (laughs) Yeah. When, when did that come about that you had the revival? Uh, It started in 2016. Okay, and um, I met, they, they, they were really nice. They were professionally and really nice at the same time. They flew me out. Uh, they put, put me up in a hotel. I mean, after that, I stay at their houses, you know, but right. that first time they put me up in a hotel, Pat and his wife, Sandy, picked me up. And before we even met the band, um, we had coffee in the hotel. And, and immediately, you got to feel for these people as really nice folks. Mm-hmm. And then we went to... Um, lead guitar player Don White's house where they where he has a basement set up where they rehearse and we were all going to have dinner you know pizza so they're all this was really funny because they're all waiting for me the grand poobah which they <laughs> lovingly <laughs> call me sometimes waiting for me to show up and oh what's it going to be when he meets Mike Loskamp because Mike we hadn't really communicated in like 50 years so um it was like, it, it would have been a fun movie scene to film because here they all are, you know, kind of lined up and Mike was at the back. And so it's like the walls parted, you know, they, they go back and I go and there's Mike and I gave him a hug. Why now, Mike, how are you? Yeah. Anyway, we had a lovely dinner meeting them all. And, and uh, then we went downstairs to see, can we play together? Um, all right, so they... They knew Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Date. That was no problem. You know, it was a little funny for them because now all of a sudden I'm singing it, you know, (laughs) and I am the original voice. So Mm -hmm. it sounded pretty good right off the bat. And there were two observations. And one was Pat made the observation. He said, you know, 
just with me, Don, with me actually playing it, I mean, I have a certain style. He said, that to me sounds like the circle. You know, it made it sound like the circle, just the fact that I played it and sang it. And Scott Langley, drummer, he actually, when we finished this, he actually put his head down and he said, I am so pumped up by this. If we do nothing else, I'm happy, <laughs> you know, from having... <laughs> done this song because it just it kind of worked and, it, and you had a feeling that this sounds like the circle right so, but it has that quintessential 60s sound and the, the sound. harmonies yeah 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 so that's anyway that's how the band actually got started who is in your band right now that you're bringing are, to that festival the gas pump jockeys were five so when i came in we actually talked about it because the honest truth is it is a little bit uh, of a challenge to have a six piece band just for the economics of getting booked and you have, you know, all, all yep. that it, it's a whole bunch of extra transportation and hotels and blah, sure. blah, blah, blah. Um, and I looked at these guys and everybody was just so nice and wonderful that, you know, I, along with them, we made a mutual decision. This is a six piece band. Mm-hmm. End of story. That's it. We're, we're a six piece. So the, the band members are um, the go-getter, Pat McLaughlin, who is the one that basically started this thing off, who he and his wife, Sandy, we have become really good friends over the course of this thing. They're really nice people. Wonderful to hang out with. Okay, then we have Mike Loscam. Uh, mm -hmm. who is, like I said, the, uh, he's, um, he was the circle, he was the circle keyboard player from the fall of 1966 till we okay. broke up. So he was there at, at mm -hmm. the time. So, um, and we introduced him as an original, Mike Loeskamp from 1966. Yes. Here you go. Drummer, Scott Langley, just a good guy. You know, he is actually the youngest. He actually still works. He's the yeah. only one that actually is <laughs> not retired. He's, he actually still has a job lead guitar player Don White whose rehear whose basement is our rehearsal studio once again a really good guy uh, but our current bass player it turns out this is kind of a neat find um, who also and he lives in Ohio not too far from the rest of the band and that's Dean Castron who is a founding member of the Ohio Express mm. and so when our shows are long enough, sometimes, you know, we're playing with a lot of artists and the shows are pretty short, but when the show is long enough, we get to introduce Dean as, hey guys, guess who our bass player is? You know, a founding member of the Ohio Express and do some of those songs. And so it's a, it was kind of a neat find. And he also, with his wife, it turns out to be a really good guy. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. you have to get along with your bandmates, you know, to. Yes. <laughs> to be able yeah. to keep playing like that. Yeah. Since Abbey Road on the River is um, a Beatles music festival, everyone is super excited to see you guys come and play. And I think most people know your songs. Most people know you from your songs, Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Day, but I'm not sure everyone knows about your connection with the Beatles or all your connections with the Beatles. Um, so I wanted to kind of get a little bit of your background with the band and that connections, the Rondells and how you got into that. Because I feel like 1965, 66 was so like iconic for you guys as a band. Oh yeah, well, okay. in 1961, I was a freshman at Lafayette College in Easton, Pennsylvania. And at a freshman mixer, they, they had a hired band. And in during the breaks of the band, a couple of guys picked up instruments and started playing. I was with a friend of mine who said, hey, Don, look, they're playing. You can play. You should go down. So I loved my amp down. I had an amp and a guitar. Loved my amp down. And I asked, hey, can I play with you guys? Yeah, sure. Come on, play. And it was one of those really kind of magic moments that we realized we played the same stuff. Buddy Holly, Everly Brothers, doo-wop stuff. And we we clicked, you know, we had a, there was a wonderful feeling about it. Bandmate Tommy Dawes and I, who sadly passed away in 2007, when we did Everly Brothers, it was just great. It was, you know, and Red Rubber Ball is 
the harmony between he and I actually as well and turn down day. That was the beginning of the Rondells at Lafayette College. Now, Beatles connection. We became one of the hot, well, we became the hot band on campus. If you wanted a good fraternity party, you got the Rondells. Uh, in spring of 1964, there's a big ball that they hold in the gym. They hire a big orchestra, legit kind of stuff, and a rock band. We were the rock band, and we announced to everybody, hey, guys, we're going to do a Beatles show, because at this point, the Beatles were out there taking over everything, and we were blown away by Beatles stuff, and we learned all those early Beatles things, and we did them quite well, if I can toot our horn. So we announced we're going to do a Beatles show, and we bought long-haired wigs, and we did the Beatles show, and that show, from the viewpoint of an entertainer, even though we were just this college band at the time, the place went wild. It was an amazing success. And I actually put it on the level of successful satisfaction. I put it even on the level of when we toured with the Beatles and we had our own hits. It was right up there. It was an amazing night. So the leader of the orchestra, and he was so impressed, he said, hey, I wonder if you guys could join my orchestra and step out and do rock stuff. Uh, and he invited us to the Steel Pier in Atlantic City, where he was playing during that spring uh, break. And we, we tried it. Now, it didn't work because it was just not our kind of music, the kind of stuff that they played. But there we were in Atlantic City. And Tom, Marty, and I, which are the three guys on the cover of Red Rubber Ball, mm -hmm. um, we got a job for the summer in Atlantic City. We're there. Let's see if we can get a job. We got a job at the Alibi Bar on South Carolina Avenue, right off the boardwalk in Atlantic City. And we played for the whole summer. And then we did it again the following summer. And this time we did it with the four of us. So the whole band is there. And at the end of the summer, we are uh, going our separate ways. We're going to basically break up, not by choice, but everybody's going their separate ways. Was that the summer where you guys were playing like every single day? Yes. That, oh, you covers. heard a little bit about that. Oh, yes. We played 90 straight days for from nine to four and matinees from two to six on Saturday and Sunday. And like we 9 p.m. to 4 a.m.? Yes. Wow. Yes. And we, and not a day off. And we thought of ourselves as vocal jocks because mm -hmm. we, we worked out, you know, you, you, you can suck the microphone, you know, and pretend you're yelling into it and, you know, try to mm -hmm. save your voice. Yeah. Every once in a while, one of us really lost our voice and the other guys would have to cover, but yeah, we made <laughs> it. We, we, we made it through the summer. Yeah. That's intense. That's like the Beatles playing in Hamburg every day. I feel like that's very, parallel oh yes yeah <laughs> you cut yeah, your teeth I mean, you, you yeah got your musicianship up with that summer yes yes we so anyway we did it yep. now here we go with the beatles at the very end of the no summer, why did you why did you want to break up after that oh Was it well, because I mean, of that no, nobody thought of being a professional musician okay it was just we're going yeah our yeah ways. i mean I, well we, I had always thought I would go into my dad's business and he had a small manufacturing company sure. made sheet metal products. And mm -hmm. I was basically going to go to work for my dad. And uh, I had signed up and gotten into the Coast Guard Reserve waiting to get in. Earl is now going off to medical school. So he, he's effectively going to be gone. And like I said, the other guy's back at, at Lafayette. Anyway, in walks a gentleman named Nat Weiss. And he hears us and he now he he likes us and he introduces himself. My name is Nat Weiss. I'm a matrimonial lawyer, but I am good friends and partners with Beatle manager Brian Epstein. And he and I are forming a management company here in the States. And I think you guys are really good. So, you know, give me a call and maybe we can get something going. Well, oh. Now, we had gotten a lot of that sort of stuff through the course of our Rondell experience at Lafayette and, you know, others. 
And we thought, nah, 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 baloney, 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 ain't happening. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't believe it really. Right. Okay, so now we we are now sep- we've separated. Tom and Marty and I still played a little bit at Lafayette as a trio, back as a trio. We we were playing at Lafayette a little bit. And at some point, I still had his card. And I thought, you know, let me give this guy a call. Maybe that's for real. Maybe, you know, maybe that could be really for real. So when I called him, I was pleasantly surprised that he absolutely remembered me. Oh, yes, Don, how are you? It's so good to hear. Why don't you, now, once again, I'm sort of, are you kidding me? Um, Why don't you come down to the city, which is an easy ride. East Chester is a suburb. Uh, Come down to the city and I'll introduce you to Brian. Really? Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. (laughs) Yeah, did you believe that? (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you know, for, for your listeners, I want you to, you know, picture what that's like, you know. Right. Yeah, the Beatles are like the top, the peak the of Beatles their popularity. The the, it's, yeah, it's just, yeah, the Beatles are at the top of everything at the moment. And mm-hmm. I'm going to now meet Brian Epstein. Right. <laughs> All right. So he gives me an address. It's on the Upper East Side of Manhattan uh, on a side street. Uh, I go down with a friend of mine, take a buddy down, and um, it's one of those smaller buildings on the side street. Uh, It's a flight up, and there's a party going on. So, okay, we walk up, and we are standing at this party, and he's not there, and we're just quietly standing in the corner. We're both kind of shy. Anyway, finally, he walks in, and I go up to him. Well, Matt, hi. You know, oh, yes, Don. He shakes my hand. Come on, follow me. I follow him down the stairs. There on the street is a limousine. And Nat opens the door and very dramatically beckons me into the limousine. Into the, I mean, it was like a really, yeah, I mean, it's a, a, a wonderful hand gesture into the, into the limousine. Very classy, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, and now he, he shows me in and sits me down and I am sitting now in this limo face to face with Brian Epstein. Wow. <laughs> and so and now I'm trying to be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and um, now Nat introduces me. Now, when I tell you this, I have to back up for one second. I need to tell you how I think of myself on the level of talent. And you'll understand why I'm telling you this when I tell you this introduction. My level of talent, I think I'm a pretty good light rock singer. That's what my voice is. I think I'm pretty good at that. And I'm a pretty good guitar player. Um, That's what my level is. Am I, you know, Don Danneman will not go down as a legendary guitar player as some, you know, Prince, Eric Clapton, whatever, you know. But I'm, I'm a good guitar player. Anyway, now, having said that, I can now tell you, Nat introduces me. And this little segment here, this is like a videotape in my head because I really see him and hear him doing this. Introduces me, he says, Brian Epstein, I'd like you to meet Don Danneman, one of the finest musicians I know. So another gulp. Now I tried to be very cool about it, but um, so- That's amazing. Yes, and now I get to shake hands with Brian Epstein. Mm Nice handshake. Brian, in all of our interactions with him, was a gentleman. He was a, just a gentlemanly guy, nicely dressed, nicely well-spoken. So I will now imitate Brian as best as I can. Yes. But the idea is just whether you like my imitation or not, think of an English gentleman. El Don. Yes, Nat has uh, spoken very highly of you, and uh, it is a lovely pleasure to meet you. And uh, yes, perhaps we can get something going. So you stay in touch and we'll see what happens. Um, all right, so happens. now- I like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens, okay. So now um, I, uh, I had a few more little back and forth things. You know, wow, we're big Beatles fans. It would be great if we could get something happening. Mm-hmm. And now I'm gonna back up again. Yes, now 
beckons me out. <laughs> He's like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Your Very, meeting with the king is over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, meeting with the king is over. So opens the door, and now I'm standing on the street, and the limo slowly pulls out down the side street into black, fade out. End That's scene. Right. And yeah, end, end of scene. Um, well, wow. all right, so now... I'm standing there with my mouth open, like, oh, my God. So now I call Tom and Marty at Lafayette. And this obviously inspired us to, well, we got to do something. I mean, we can't just, you know. So we set up a kind of a, a minimal makeshift recording studio in my basement in Eastchester. And Tom and I each had a tape recorder, a stereo tape recorder. We kind of combined them and um, with our uh, regular band equipment, you know, amps and mics. We were able to get some decent demo recordings and we spent some time doing that. And recording I some point. original music? Uh, you know, the, it's funny. The only, yeah, I know there was one original and the, the um, at least one of the several. And the, the, the one that I remember was a song called Money to Burn that is on one of our albums. Actually, we did actually, the circle did actually end up recording it. Okay. Um, and, and I made an appointment uh, to play uh, these demos for Nat. Now, the date of that appointment um, your older uh, listeners and viewers may remember this, was November 11th, the entire East Coast had a blackout. Mm. And uh, now you may know it from historical- 65, record. right? Or Yeah, November yeah. Okay. 11th, 1965. Okay. And and I'm from the Midwest, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you were not from the Yeah, even if you, yeah. were, okay, you were. But the whole East Coast- and we thought the Russians are coming to get us. You know, it was it was really kind of scary. Right. Uh, it turns out it was I think one blackout and the tra and the transformers flipped each other and it just took off. Whatever. Yeah. But anyway, so that was the uh, my appointment with Matt was that night. And well, obviously I had to reschedule. So I went to play him these demos. Loved my tape recorder. Started mm -hmm. wiring it up to his stereo system, and I also had a pair of stereo headphones. And I thought, as I'm starting to wire this up, I said, hey, Nat, you know what? Put these stereo headphones on. You know, you'll hear a little better, you know. Now, this is in 1965. Very few people had ever heard stereo headphones. Anyway, he put it on and he's hearing it for the first time. So we basically had a little plus in our column as far as playing in these demos, which were good. You know, the demos themselves were good. But I still remember he put them on and the first couple of notes that came on, I saw his eyes kind of open up and go up to the ceiling, as in, ah. <laughs> so the, the bottom line there is he was real happy. And that got him started booking us uh, at some jobs in New York. Okay. So Tom and, Tom and Marty and I started playing some New York clubs. They would come in. Yeah. That, so he signed you at, is that when you like, had the management contract with them? Well, it was during that time period. It, yeah. it wasn't okay. that night, but yeah, sure. it, he got some things going. So okay. that started us, that started that chain. So here we had management with Beatle manager, Brian Epstein with his partner, Nat Weiss. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the first and actually only um, American band managed by Brian. Um, we did the Flower Power cruise peter asher was on the cruise mm -hmm. and he was the one who introduced us when we did our show we did a couple of shows on the, you know over the couple of days and this is where um i was blown away by something that we all knew but you know when you hear it in a different way you you think about it differently Peter made a real point of when he introduced us, he says, I want you to get that Beatle manager, Brian Epstein managed, I think it might've been nine groups or something like that in, in England. But this is the only American group that Beatle manager, Brian Epstein managed. So just think what he must have thought of this wonderful group. And it, it was, and I actually, pinched myself 
when he said it. I said, is he talking about me? I mean, <laughs> but you you forget things, you know, like, yeah, yeah, we knew we were his only American group. But, but when Peter Asher said it like that, it really hit home. Really sinks in, yeah. Yes, yeah. things will will sink in, in 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 different ways. And who knows where he could have gone with his management career if he had lived, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know. Way more. I'm sure he was thinking of that with his um, starting the management team in the U.S. So yeah, yeah, kind of too bad, but yeah, it it is. Um, and a lovely guy, and we mm -hmm. I, we really felt bad when he passed. You know, it was yeah. like, wait a minute, you know, yeah. So that. And, and of course, the fact that we're being managed by Brian got us notoriety. So people For were sure. interested now. Yeah. And, and we ended and up with a, uh, with a Columbia record contract um, and a new young producer named John Simon, who was recently with them, was interested in us. And he, in fact, became our producer and uh, uh, good guy. You know, you could actually almost call him the fifth circle as in George Martin fifth Beatle uh-huh because yeah. yeah his contributions were really kind of along the, that line you know he played some of the stuff and well okay so we're looking for material and bandmate Tommy found red rubber ball in oh, yeah. uh um he, he got friendly with a guy named Barry Kornfeld in the village Greenwich Village well bopping around Greenwich Village um he had a publishing company with Paul Simon and we heard Red Rubber Ball on a scratchy 45 demo record sung by Paul with just a guitar. And I remember when we heard it, it uh, to me, it was a cute song. And everybody thought, yeah, let's, let's, let's try it. Now, obviously it really worked out and I can share with you my perception of Red Rubber Ball, which, because over time it has changed. Oh, At that yeah. time, to me, it was a cute song, and I was thrilled it became a hit. My perception of Red Rubber Ball has evolved yeah. into the fact that I now perceive Red Rubber Ball as one of the premier feel-good anthems of the 1960s. And it is borne out by the comments that we get at meet and greet kind of, you know, stuff where people tell me about what Red Rubber Ball meant to them. And yeah. it blows me away. I'm blown away by having been the voice of a song that basically affected positively thousands and thousands of people, a few of whom I now get to meet and share yeah. with them. So it's, it's awesome. To That's great. I mean, it is such a positive song because isn't it about a breakup or like bouncing back after something hey, bad happening and i think it's going to be all right yeah the worst is over now the right. morning sun is shining like a red rubber ball it's the most optimistic you can be feel good good way of life like, yeah. yeah 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 well i was going to ask when did you um get your name the circle when did you go from the rondells to the circle in this time that, that's where i was going there we are the same wavelength <laughs> All right, so in the studio one day, and this is the early part of this, and we were, we were still the Rondells looking for a name. And we recognized Rondells is very 50, we gotta change the name. Mm -hmm. And I, I remember we used to talk about it and it was stupid stuff that everybody used to come up with. But anyway, here we are, we're recording, there's no name. And Brian is in the studio that day and he comes up to me and I'm gonna do Brian again, and on. Take a look at this. Once again, he was a gentleman all the way. Mm -hmm. And he hands me, it looks like a business card. He hands me a business card. Um, and I see it actually says Brian Epstein on it. Oh, no, no, Don, turn it over. Okay, I turn it over. And on the card is some scribbling on the back of the card. And I'm looking at it. It's not real legible. It's like, sir... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Brian, what am I looking at? Oh, Don, this is your new name. And please note the, the cute spelling, C-Y-R-K-L-E, the circle. And when I was back in, in England with, in quotes, the boys, as the Beatles were always referred to by Brian and 
close. Of course. He, yeah, always yes. the boys. He asked the boys, we have a new American group. And uh, I'm just wondering, does anyone have a name? We're looking for a name for our new American group. And it was in fact, John that came up with the circle with the funny spelling. And of course, you know how John thinks, what a mind he has. Only John could come up with something like that. So I remember thinking that it was a little bit of a shock to me. Now, of course, you, you don't want to say no to Brian Epstein, <laughs> but I, uh, it was like, uh, uh, uh. so at first it just seemed a little funny, you know, but, but, you know, of course you get used to it. And now, of course, it's our name. And I still get a kick out of in our shows, you know, saying to the audience, so guys, I want you to just close your eyes and get the fact that John Lennon gave us our name. You know, and then we do a John song. We do eight days a week. You know, we go with mm -hmm. that in the show. So anyway, there we were. And the one thing I'll finish up on that one is that the card that I had in my hand. Yeah, do you still have it? No, that probably went in the trash the next day. And I'm so angry with myself. Um, framed on the wall. Well, I personally was really bad at keeping memorabilia like that. Yeah. Um, and well, when you're most, in it, you don't realize like where well, it's going. Yeah, 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 really, really stupid. Yeah. So now you want, now should I keep going? So then, yeah, well, then... Um, what, what's the story behind when you were invited to be on tour with the Beatles? Because I know you released an album. And so go through go through that part of the story. All right. All right. Uh, all right. I'm skipping some circle stuff. Well, all right. So Red Rubber Ball is starting to become a hit. We heard we, we had a chance to be on the, the, the Beatles tour now. The 66 Beatles tour. We were invited. By, by and, Brian or who told you yeah, that? Yeah, Brian. Wow. Okay. The first uh, meeting was on the plane. The first plane ride was from New York to Chicago. And okay. the first uh, performance was Chicago. Okay. Everyone was on the same plane. It was a Boeing 727 or equivalent, you know, regular commercial airliner, but they chartered the plane. So we had the whole plane. Um, the you whole and the other um, openers, right? Yeah, all the, the, the other the remains was, and... was the remains, Bobby Hebb, Ronettes, and us. Okay, yes. All right. And press <laughs> and management and assistants and all that awesome. sort of stuff. So we're on this plane, and they built a wall in the back of the plane. And the Beatles now, they, are pri they have their little private area behind the wall. Mm -hmm. So I am sitting next to uh, bandmate Tommy Dawes and Nat Weiss. And we keep looking back. Well, are we gonna meet him? Are we gonna meet him? Now we actually had, Red Rubber Ball was already up and Turn Down Day I think was just kind of getting started. So we had two records on the charts. So we're sort of hot stuff, you know, but we were as big Beatle fans as anybody else was. We, we couldn't wait to meet him. Are we gonna, right. wait, are we gonna meet him? Mm -hmm. um, and we hadn't, we hadn't seen a show yet. There were no shows. So, we keep looking back, we keep looking back, and the flight is well along now. And finally, the door opens, and there's Paul. So now, uh, now he was the only one that came out. Hmm. And we, we tried to be not oogly, goggly fans, you know, we, but we kept looking, you know, we're looking, we're looking. And you could see Paul was really a jovial guy very um attentive in meeting people and you could see he was shaking hands with you could see some people he already knew and he was how are you good to see you again blah blah and others he's meeting for the first time hey meet Paul McCartney you could get the sense of what was going on and he gradually works his way up to us and so now he is now standing over us and so here I'm sitting and here's Tom and here's Nat and I look up and Nat knows him so Nat introduces us Paul McCartney meet Don Danneman of the circle so shake hands and it was a pretty simple exchange wow Paul it's great to meet you we can't wait to see you play we're such fans and he says well you know I know you guys have some record 
you know, record charting and, you know, good luck with your career and all that. And, you know, looking forward to hearing you play. And Tommy Dawes, excuse me, Paul McCartney meet Tommy Dawes of the circle. Same thing. It was a little, he got to shake hands a little bit. Okay, Paul. Well, guys, good to meet you. We'll, we'll, we'll see you when we do, do the shows. Off he goes and disappears behind the door. And we spent the rest of the flight analyzing every one of those words. Like, <laughs> oh my God, could we be cooler, you know? And for people watching, I want you to picture if you met Paul McCartney now, you know, and you actually got to say a few words, you know, what would you say? You know, <laughs> what would it be? You know, well, anyway. I think well, everyone imagines that. <laughs> what would I say to Paul or Ringo was, well, if I met anyway, them? <laughs> so all, all I could say was, wow, we're great fans and we love you, you know, <laughs> like that. <laughs> all right. So now in Chicago, it was, I believe it's a hockey arena. It was definitely inside. And, you know, the stage was at one end. And of course, it's a long rectangle because that's what hockey arenas are. Mm-hmm. and uh um we were we could backstage was literally the stands right behind the stage and of course underneath right first thing is we were not nervous about playing in terms of could we play but we were nervous about our reception because we are opening for the Beatles yeah right how would that be and we were very pleasantly surprised when we got cheers and yay, and it was all, it was really good. I mean, they, they actually liked us and they cheered for us. And, you know, when we played Red Rubber Ball, it was like, yay, oh, well, you know. Um, right. So we did well. All right. So now that's over with. Now here I was, and now they introduced the Beatles. They, they came out one at a time, bump, up, up, down the stairs. And they were wearing what looked to me like, dark green velvet jackets now i don't know if that was really the color but in that light that's what it looked like to me but it was there was an elegance to it when when they walked out it was like the universe opens up and the stars walk out and you know there there they were anyway and they and, and now they're playing and of course the noise is contained in an indoor arena it doesn't it's not escaping out to the sky like a lot of the stadiums were I was standing next to a woman and she is crying hysterically. <laughs> Tears are just streaming down. That was the, the level of the emotion. The Beatles are playing and we're watching them. Yeah. And it was just so emotional to see these, what are now legends playing. For, I mean, it was just, just an incredible. Wow. So that energy right, must now, have been contagious, though. Like, were you jumping up and down and crying? And <laughs> no, I, I, there's a certain thing about me that, um, as exciting as things may be, I tend to be an observer. So I was sort of laying back and taking this all in and observing. You know, now inside there was a part of me who was like, wow, wow, wow. You know, yes, it was. You know, but the observer in me was able to convey to you that what I saw mm-hmm. that that's what I yeah just, you're just taking it all in maybe your I camera do. was out again and you can visualize yeah. it in your brain yeah uh, yeah 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 it's, it's, it's kind of that it's yeah kinda that. that's very all cool. right so now so did, are mm-hmm. we going to ever meet them yes <laughs> right I was going to say what'd you do after the show <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, no, we still did not meet him yet. We okay, did we didn't like go out. Him. It wasn't until the third show that we finally got to meet him. And before the show, they came to us, hey, um, the boy, uh, the boys, the boys. would like to meet you guys. <laughs> so uh, come on backstage. All right, so we now we are go into their dressing room. Now, this is a dressing room in a stadium. It's not like a posh theater dressing room. So it was not a posh dressing room. There were a couple of, you know, it was a very plain room. There were a couple of couches around. I can still picture it. Um, I think the the walls might have even been cement because it was was a stadium. Mm -hmm. And there they are. Now, when you, and, you know, and they're sitting on a couch, on couches. They're just sitting on couches. So Ringo was just looking kind of 
pleasant. You're like, oh, okay, I guess I'm going to meet these guys. He was the first one. Uh, and then uh, John was sitting with his granny glasses on and his legs folded on the couch. Paul was sort of off in a corner, and I think he was standing actually and smiling. Paul was a, you know, he was always pleasantly good. And then there was George. The one comment I get a kick out of sharing, John would make this comment every once in a while throughout the whole tour. He would kind of look at us and he'd go, so guys, have you learned to spell yet? You know, as in the <laughs> circle name. Yeah, <laughs> got a a kick out of that. Anyway, got to shake everybody's hand and they were cordial. They really were oh. very, you know, like they, I think they recognized, hey, we're, we're being met by, you know, even though we're other, another group, they recognize we're fans. And Yeah. Well, it's anyway, interesting because at the time your red rubber ball was like number two on the Billboard Hot 100 and Paperback yeah. Rider was number one or it's yeah. at some point during during that summer or fall. Yeah. So you were like, that, yeah, and, up and there we, with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and when we do our show, we actually talk about i mean it's, it's one thing one of those things i, I it's fun for me to say ladies and gentlemen you, you realize you you know our big claim to fame red rubber ball only made number two but when red rubber ball was number two at least it was friends of ours that made number one mm -hmm. when red rubber ball was number two this was number one and we go bang into paperback writer we do a nice version of it if i say so myself i bet yeah it's <laughs> great anyway so i ended up um in front of George somehow or other. So he is sitting on the couch and I am on my knees actually. And I think there was a little cocktail table in, in, front, of a, in front of us, but I'm on my knees kind of leaning on the cocktail table. And now I'm, I'm looking right into George and, it, and um, it's like, oh, I guess I'm allowed to chit chat with him now. George was just a wonderful, warm, gentle guy. And we got into a conversation about, you know, he was he was very like realizing, hey, you guys are, you know, you got a hit record or two now. I mean, how did you know, a little bit of how'd you get started and a little bit of, you know, good luck, that kind of thing, a little back and forth on that. And he was also very comfortable in sharing that he is still kind of blown away by their success. You know, it's not that long ago we were playing the bars and that kind of thing. And hard to believe that. Wow. I mean, we're playing these stadiums now and it's, and how cool is that? You know, so it was a really nice conversation of like literally two guys. What's your story? Yeah. And um, I actually was at the point where I thought, you know, I think maybe we can take this conversation a little further because it was very cordial. And I actually asked them, I thought, hey, what do you think about marijuana? How do you think, you know, is it cool? Is it not? And he was a, and I could, I saw his lips start moving and he was about to engage, answer. And out of the blue, our road manager, a young guy, he leans over me. I can't believe he really did this. And he interrupts. Hey, George, what guitar did you use on And I Love Her? You could see the whole guy to guy chit chat that we had going, it ended mm -hmm. right there because George, he, he did a double take uh, uh, because actually at that point, first of all, it was inappropriate for him to interrupt like that. To anyway. say it's kind of rude, yeah. Yeah, but even then we probably knew more about what they did on that level than they did because you know you do stuff and then you forget. We knew what guitar right. he used anyway. I mean, we certainly knew. <laughs> yeah. But he anyway, so it was like, uh, well, uh, uh, and right at that moment, um, some people uh, entered the room and said, hey, guys, you got to go. You're going to be on in a little bit. You have to go get get ready. Right. Anyway, that was the end of that. Was that um, your only interaction with them or did you ever? No, no, no. We definitely. Oh, that was the first. Though. Yeah, it, it was the it was the first one. Mm -hmm. um, but I still, you know, I never got got the conversation quite finished. I was going to say, did you ever you know, get that question answered? Never got the question answered, but it, the one more thing I'll tell you about George is mm -hmm. um, at the Candlestick Park uh, show, which is the last the one, last one. Mm -hmm. George was walking around with a camera and he was taking a lot of pictures and, you know, we would ask, hey, 
why are you taking pictures? You know, I mean, there's a zillion pictures going to be taken of you guys. I mean, he, and he says, you know, I don't know if, how are we going to play again ever? What's going to happen? And I just want some personal memories, you know, to mm -hmm. do that. And of course, what we didn't know at the time was that they had evidently been talking about not playing again because they wanted to, well, anybody who's watching this is a, who's a Beatle fan knows where it went from there. That's no, where they went into, you know, they, they, um, they wanted to do stuff that may, maybe they couldn't do in person even, but they wanted to take their music to a, a, another level and they certainly mm -hmm. did. But, but anyway, that was uh, George and yeah. um, uh, just an example of like hangout sort of stuff. And the unfortunate thing is I don't have a huge story to tell about it other than, I mean, one night, you know, I think it was Tommy and I and uh, Paul and Ringo, we were playing cards, you know, just sitting playing cards. Now, we were a little nervous because we did not have a lot of money and we thought, oh my God, I can't lose a lot of money and, you know, yeah. and, this thing. And, they were, and they were caring about that. I remember Ringo saying, oh, you know, yeah, we're just going to play for quarters, nothing big, you know, just <laughs> a little bit of a fun time. And, mm -hmm. and it was just a couple of guys sitting around playing, you know, poker. That, <laughs> yeah. That's just so regular that's, people. Yeah. Regular, yeah. Regular people. Yeah. Oh, that's they, very cool. Yeah. What an experience to have though. That's amazing. It was an amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. What about the one time, um, I read the, that there was one time the Beatles actually opened for you because yes. of a, a storm yeah. or something and they went first and then you guys followed yeah. up. So that's, yeah, yeah. that's I pretty mean, cool that the Beatles, you're yes, like the, the one Beatles, band that the Beatles opened for. <laughs> yeah. From the point that the Beatles became stars, we are the only band that they ever opened for. Yes. And what happened, <laughs> yeah. it was St. Louis. Mm -hmm. and it was rain off and on and threatening and threatening and threatening and the show evidently the show had gone and we were about to go on and they all of a sudden they interrupted said, no guys you can't go on it looks like it really is going to rain we got to get the Beatles on now that was a bummer for us but of course we understood you know well disappointing but yeah okay right. all right so the Beatles go on and did their show now they're finished and it still wasn't raining. Okay. So now, the, and we we had just written it off, you know, but now they come to us and say, oh, guys, you're going on. What? You've got to be <laughs> kidding. We are going on? Yes, you're going on. So, okay. So uh, I still remember this looking. So we're on stage now, and I'm looking up at the, the, the stands, you know, and this is an outdoor big stadium. And I'm seeing a lot of people are filing out, but a lot of people are not. And that was what really pleasantly surprised me. So while a lot of people were filing out and a lot of people stayed and we did our show to a pretty enthusiastic audience. And if you think about it, I still get a kick out of this bandmate, Pat McLaughlin now, when I, when I talk about this, you know, he says, Don, I want you to think about this. You know, the stadium may be held 60,000, but you guys still on your own, you played for, you know, 20, 30,000 people on yeah. your own. So I thought, wow, <laughs> pretty good. Yeah. And, and they were cool. very, and, and they were quite enthusiastic. Yeah. That's great. I mean, if yeah. people are into Beatles music, they're into all that music at the time so yeah yeah great. so so we did well on 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 that tour that's awesome anytime paul looked a certain way that side of the stadium erupted i mean it was anytime like, he moved his head <laughs> yeah yeah i mean he he would look that way and and the stadium that side would erupt and then you know they would play a little bit more and then he would look the other way and that side of the stadium would erupt. They were so responsive to every move. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's amazing to be a star that big, you know, where people just, your any move is, you know, people go crazy. Yeah, I mean, they still do when <laughs> they see Paul live, I think. Yeah, now I've never seen, other than that, I have never seen in current daylight, but I've heard amazing things about that. He goes for two and a half hours without a break. Yeah, and really, you haven't seen him. I have not seen him live since then. 
Yeah. Okay. Wow. You know the one. You're thing, like you can't top that. You saw. You saw that. Yeah. Well, I did. That. Right. I saw him at the height. That's true. Yeah. Right. But you know the one thing that um, we did get from him was when the original Rondells, uh, we had a thirtieth college reunion, and we played. We actually got together and played at our thirtieth college reunion. Oh, and cool. That, and that's. Tom, Marty, and I, and Earl. Yeah. Great. And we're playing, and and, um, we actually, I think Tommy got it, but he, you know, and he brought it to us. He says, hey, guys, look, got a fax from Paul McCartney saying, hey, congratulations on getting back together for your 30th reunion. Oh, my gosh. I don't know how he even found out about it, but there it was. (laughs) Oh, that's so sweet of him. Yeah, yeah. But it sounds like a nice guy. Yeah, no, he well, from our meetings with him, very nice guy. Yeah, yeah a really nice sure. guy. That's yeah. amazing. Well, let's um speaking of your shows that you did back then, I want to talk about your show that you're bringing to Abbey Road on the River. I have the set list. Oh, I know. It looks <laughs> it looks great. I know Pat yeah. sent it to me a, a, a while ago, but it's like okay. all these hits, a little bit of comedy, um, some Beatles and Wings songs. Um, a couple of new singles by the circle. I do love your, your new, um, single. We thought we could fly. That's such a cool, like explanation of the history of the band. Um, Well, um, I, when I did that, I was given a song by, uh, a photographer, Daniel Costin who has become a, uh, he's a really good photographer, a good guy, and has become a real friend of the band. And he sent me this song, not the one that we're talking about, but he sent me the song, um, and it was a song recorded by Andrew Sandoval, who actually manages the Monkees. Mm. He's related to the Monkees. And he just said, hey, Don, listen to it. And I said, okay, I'll listen to it. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. And after I listened to it, it sounded, it was a nice song. And it, uh, it's, um, it had a 60s feel to it. It had some Beatle influence and some Beach Boy influence. And I thought, okay, why am I listening to this? And, and he said, all the background voices on this are bandmate Tommy Dawes. And this was recorded in 2002. And I had thought after he died, I had thought, wouldn't it be cool if I could get some vocals of his? to do a little bit along the lines of free as a bird, you know, how, yeah. how the Beatles did free as a bird. Right. And basically think about what, what now this is not exactly the same thing, but they took a John Lennon demo. And now I'm telling you what I think they did. I'm not sure what I'm going to say is absolutely correct, but the gist of it, I think will be correct. They took John Lennon did the basic verses and then they basically fixed up instrumentally and added the, that whole middle thing, you know, that Paul sings where, and, and that was added to it, wasn't there at the time, right. you know, and they basically made a full song a out new of it. single. Yeah. Yeah. A new single. And I thought if I could do something like that, you know, where, where um, I could maybe write a song based on whatever vocals I could get and, and do a new song that has something to do with our history. Uh, And Andrew was very nice and let me have the session tracks. And I took all of Tommy's vocals off, repositioned them, had to do some pitch changing as well. And the one word that he actually sang was fly. Hmm. Hence, we thought we could fly. Mm -hmm. And when the first vocal line that comes in is he and I in harmony, fly in the two-part harmony like Red Rubber Ball is. Now, the, yeah. the song's nothing like Red Rubber Ball, which is not supposed to be, but it's he and I yeah. singing. So, so it, it was a thrill for me to do it. And I found myself, as I was writing it and recording it and moving him around and, you know, basically it, it gave me a chance to sing with him again. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would tear up. I, got, I found myself getting emotional when yeah. I did it. Yeah, yeah it was, it was makes really, sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, isn't it amazing how far technology's come, like from the tape recorder back then to now you get to, you know, change the pitch of 
<laughs> audio yeah, tracks. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool, you know. So yeah, yeah. so that was, um, and then to do the video of it. Did you see the video? Where you yep. were? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I saw the video. So the the video. Um, well, of course, I had to do. I I um, I have to sing the whole thing because Tommy only sang the one word. So right. I had to obviously. Um, I made sure to. Uh, he did wonderful ooze, and I made sure you could hear him. And mm -hmm. you know, anybody who listens to it, you'll you'll definitely hear him. When I did it, so I did I I did a bunch of takes of myself lip syncing in different ways. Mm -hmm. Gave it to a wonderful film editor, Alan Beavers is his name, and he did a really nice job. And also gave him a lot of old pictures of the band, you know, Tommy and Tommy and I and, you know, old band things. And um, it really moved me to when you look at some of these pictures, what friends we really were, you know, and you can see when when we're on Hullabaloo mm -hmm. and we're singing Red Rubber Ball and we kind of look at each other and kind of grin. You know, you got a sense we really had a feel for each other. It was very. Yeah very very moving yeah you know i actually there's another song that's going to be on this and i could actually if you're interested i can send you an mp3 of it um yeah. it's called Great. we were there mm, okay and it basically says hey during all this beatles stuff we were there like that's that. and, cool and, and it actually relates to the beatles yeah that's actually, a new song coming out uh it'll be on the album okay Right. It is recorded. It's yeah, it's, yeah. I think I have to fix the mastering up, but it'll it's fine. You can listen to it, and if you want to, sure. if, if it's of any interest to your listeners, you know you're welcome. Will yeah. you be performing that at in your show? No, not that one. Okay. On the album is a re-recording of Red Rubber Ball, re-recording mm -hmm. of Turn Down Day, the Feeling Groovy that we never did, but now right. we did it. Feeling Groovy, and a song from our Neon album called The Visit, which was actually the B side of one of the cuts and it gets um every once in a while we get an email saying hey the, are you ever going to do the visit because we really like that kind of ethereal nice oh, nice cool. nice quality uh bandmate mike loskamp sings it yeah and uh yeah it was a, it was a very sweet song so the, it's yeah. those four um in term now and, and we we will perform those yeah but as for your show um I heard that there's also going to be some Ohio Express songs played and yes. a little bit yes. of comedy because of your jingle career, right? Oh, yeah. I had, uh, well, also bandmate Tommy and I mm -hmm. both had really nice jingle careers. And I'm very thankful for that because we both did pretty well. Mm -hmm. In our show, we do a commercial segment yeah. You know, we're, we're like, you know, some of the things are a little bit funny and I, I'll, I'll, I give a little spiel about we did this and we did that. And Oh, that's great. Well, thanks so much for talking to me today. This was such an honor for me to talk to you. This, I remember the first time I even heard about the circle on a radio, there was a contest happening and it was all like red themed songs. And um, oh, yeah, yeah. I think it, I think that's what it was. And I first heard Red Rubber Ball, but I didn't know what it was. And so I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't win yeah. the contest. You had to call in with like the names of these little clips of these songs. And um, I didn't know that. So that was my first introduction to the, I was like, what is this Kirkle? Yeah. What's, I always thought it was pronounced Kirkle too. Kirkle. So. <laughs> yeah, well, it wouldn't be, you wouldn't be the first one to make that mistake. I think our fans are really going to appreciate hearing these stories before they see you and then being like, oh yeah, look, that's, you know, hearing them again when you say them in the, um, in, yeah, in your in show, yeah. but knowing them ahead of time, I think people will be like, wow, that's, that's incredible. I, you know, knowing all the, um, your entire career. So. Well, thank you for doing it. You know, I, I'm always happy to do this because like, I think I said before, um, this whole experience is so cool. And, to tell it again means I get to relive it again. For, mm -hmm. for that bit. You know, so it's just like when people come to the theater and, you know, they're whatever age we are, you know, we're all, you know, it's an older age, obviously. For those couple hours in the theater, they're 17, again, you know, or right. whatever, you know, and for me to relive it like that, it's, you know, yeah, I mean, wow, I was there. We were yeah. there. Yeah, you'll hear that song. <laughs> right.
<laughs> no, that's that's amazing. And this you're going to love the festival. I think it's just like all there's six stages, all these Beatle fans, um, Beatle lookalike bands, Beatle sound alike, other classic rock bands. So it's it's different than your regular theater show, but it's it's going to be fun. So you'll have to hang out and look around and I think you'll have a blast when you come. Yeah, well, we usually will walk around in, in mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, I get, I, I get a kick out of it. And it's kind of fun walking around to meet the, the spectators who are there. Mm -hmm. you know, I'm happy right. they can come up and ask me questions and, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great that you're so open about that. Yeah. So thanks so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. Okay, well, it's a pleasure and look forward to meeting you and uh, we'll see you soon. <laughs> tuning in to Something Will Happen. Remember that Abbey Road on the River is happening May 26th to 30th, 2022 in Jeffersonville, Indiana. To start making your plans, head over to AROTR.com. There you can see the full lineup of bands that are coming, check out shows we're planning, book your hotels, and grab your tickets while you're there. Head over to AROTR.com slash podcast and enter your email to get $5 of Beetle Bucks to use at the festival for food, drinks, and our exclusive festival merchandise. For the most up-to-date information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll see you in May. Something will happen.